We thank you for your giving that enables us to do ministry, and even ministry comes through sometimes small things uh, and other things uh, like trips that um, are in far places. Uh, we give thanksgiving to God for your generosity that enables that to make uh, enables it, it all to happen. So thank you. Today, we are going to look at a passage in the book of Romans, Paul's letter to the church at Rome. Look at chapter 11 with me, if you'd like to follow along. We'll read verses 33 through 36, and then verse uh, 1 of chapter 12. Hear the word of God. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For, and here's the doxology, for from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. And then chapter 12 begins, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, and this is your true and proper worship. The word of God. Thanks be to God. The first 11 chapters of the letter to the church at Rome are filled with some of Paul's best theological work. Words to the church to help people understand salvation and what it means to be justified or made right with God. That wonderful verse that says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That says, you know, we all fall short of God's expectations and uh, that we can be restored and reconciled through His grace. And then at the end of chapter 11, Paul offers uh, some words of doxology or some words of blessing to God, praise of God, giving glory to God for all that he has said thus far. And then in verse 1 of chapter 12, he says, therefore, now this is how we practice all of what we have said in these previous chapters. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices in our coming and in our going. That we are to live a lifestyle of worship. And today in our message, I pray that it would be a life of doxology, living doxologically. And we'll kind of unpack that as we go through today. I don't know about you, though, but there are some days where I just don't feel like living doxologically. There are some days where I just don't feel like worshiping. Maybe we all feel like that sometimes. Yes, there are days when things go well, right? Yes, there are days where you finish the project at work or you make the winning catch and you can point heavenward in the end zone as some athletes do or when you make an A on your physics exam or when you get accepted into the college that you wanted to attend or as parents, when you're able to sing the potty song, we did it, 
yay, and we celebrate with dancing, praise God, and we rejoice. And there are other things in life that when um, things go well that we can say thanks be to God, praise God, to glory be to God. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Doxology happens. But more often than not, there are days that don't go so well. The washing machine line bursts when you're not at home, and for an entire day, the water is pouring out, and the hardwood floors warp, and you come home, and it's a mess. Or your teacher tells you, um, I need you to stay after school today. Or the report that you work so hard on gathers dust on your boss's desk or it remains in the inbox and you don't hear anything or other people's children seem to be farther along than yours are or the car dies or it's another loss in the win-loss column and the season has not ended well. Uh, For others, it is that winter is coming and the days are shorter and the nights are longer and we don't feel much like a doxology. Our lips can barely form the words of worship. We come to church sometimes and we just go through the motions. I've been there, you've been there. We don't feel like worshiping. It's sort of like in a marriage, in your vows, For better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, in sickness and in health. But sometimes things aren't better, they're worse. Sometimes we're not richer, we're poorer. And sometimes we're sick and not in good health. And we don't feel like loving. Eugene Peterson writes that every act of worship should end with benediction no matter where we are along the journey that we could bless God but he writes of the difficulties that keep us from blessing God one says he writes but I don't feel like it and I won't be a hypocrite I can't praise or bless God if I don't feel like it it wouldn't be honest but Peterson the author of the message version of the Bible says that the biblical response to this feeling is to lift up our holy hands to God anyway, to praise Him anyway. He encourages us to follow God, to change our way of behaving, and in so doing, to change our way of feeling. Listen to Peterson's line of reasoning. One person, he says, will will say, I don't like that person, therefore I will not speak to him. When my feelings change, then I will speak. But another person says, I don't like that person, therefore I am going to speak to him. That person is surprised with the friendliness and cheerfully responds and suddenly friendliness is shared. Or another person says, I don't feel like worshiping, therefore I am not going to church. I will wait till I feel like it and then I will go. But another says, I don't feel like worshiping, therefore I will go to church and I will put myself in the way of worship. In the process, she finds herself blessed and begins in turn to bless. 
I'm glad that love isn't a feeling. John 3.16 isn't based on a feeling. Love is an action. And in the same way, worship isn't a feeling. Worship is an action. And more often than not, when we encounter the God of all creation, we encounter God in the ordinary and in the mundane of life. It is there that God beckons us to doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. It's one of the first songs that I learned as a child coming up in church. And I've always enjoyed the doxology. Ordinary days can be transformed into the extraordinary with Jesus. About 10 years ago, I heard Dr. Craig Barnes speak. He is now the president of Princeton Theological Seminary. This was at a pastor's conference a number of years ago. And I'll never forget his sermon about worshiping God in the ordinary circles of life. And his question to us as pastors was this. Can we keep following Jesus even when it's just another ordinary day? Barnes says that scholars have looked at the life, work, and ministry of Jesus, and they have tallied it up, and in his three-plus years of ministry, about one year of that was spent in the miraculous, healing people, feeding people, transforming lives, casting out demons, and so forth as you read through the Gospels but that the other two-thirds of Jesus' ministry were just ordinary days. And I never really thought about it like that. And then he said, what if we had the opportunity to go back with Jesus during his ministry in Galilee? What if God enabled us to be trans, whatever that, tr tr transported um, back to the ministry of Jesus? I imagine that Peter would greet us, welcome, we're glad that you're here, thanks for your faithfulness, uh, but I just want to let you know that today's Thursday, and it's laundry day. And we would say, you, you mean that I, I came all this way, I traveled back through time, only to arrive on laundry day? Yep, Jesus had to do laundry too. And us 12, I mean, between all of us, we dirty up a lot of clothes. And so it's laundry day. We're glad that you're here to help. Well, I was hoping that I could see some water transformed into wine or some food multiplied or maybe just a short walk on the water. But it's laundry day. But the real truth is that you and I do get to do our laundry with Jesus. In fact, every time we do a dirty job or change a diaper or make a sale or cook a meal or wash dishes, we do it with Jesus. God is with us in the ordinary. And often those are the places where we meet God and find a way toward doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. 
This is what a man named Nicholas Herman experienced. He was born in the 15th century. He was unschooled and clumsy, and he had an encounter with God that led him to join the Carmelites of Paris, which was a monastic order. He joined that in 1666. From that point on, he was known as Brother Lawrence. And when I was in seminary, Dr. Glenn Henson, who taught spirituality, uh, gave us Brother Lawrence's little book, The pra uh, Practice of the Presence of God, to read. And that little book changed me. I'll never look at doing the dishes or simple things in the same way again. Brother Lawrence found his place of service in the kitchen, in the monastery. He washed the dishes. He prepared the meals for the other brothers there. For Brother Lawrence, the humble kitchen became the place where he encountered God and grew in constant prayer and praise of God. Listen to his little prayer. Lord of all pots and pans and things, make me a saint by getting meals and washing up the plates. Dear Father, help us this day not to be weary of doing the little things for the love of God. Help us to learn to live in your presence no matter where we are or what we are doing. Lord of all pots and pans and things. See, I believe that when God, this is our key thought, when God breaks into the ordinary, worship happens. Life becomes doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. This must have been what it was like for Joshua as he led the people of Israel into the land of promise. After they crossed over the Jordan River, their next obstacle was the walled city of Jericho. And God gave them the most unusual of circumstances to overtake the city and inhabit it. We're going to read Joshua 6 verses 1 through 5 if you want to follow along on the screen or turn to that in your Bible. Joshua 6, 1 through 5. Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the uh, were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. So the city was completely fortified as they knew the Israelites were coming. And then verse 2: Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I've delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men and do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark, the ark of the covenant. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. And then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up, everyone straight in. Could you imagine what it must have been like to hear those instructions? You mean to tell me that this city that is strong and fortified, uh, who has barred itself up because we are coming, is going to collapse simply because we shout and we march around in circles and blow our trumpet? Yep. Could you imagine what it would have been like to be one of the Israelites marching around the city of Jericho 
uh, once a day for six days, you might say, this is boring. When's something, when, when's the action going to come? When's something going to happen? And then on the seventh day to do that seven times, I imagine by that point a lot of them were growing weary. This is very monotonous. And that is when God said, when you give that shout, the city walls will come down. And when you read further in the text, that's exactly what happened. And what I'm saying to us is in the ordinary circles of life, the routines of life, the, the getting up and the getting ready and the going to the office and the coming home and the preparing of a meal and the doing of homework and getting ready for bed and getting things ready for the next day, these routines or getting up and going to school and finishing school and getting on the bus and coming home, all of these routines often seem ordinary, but I submit that if we think about it as an act of worship, life as worship, living doxologically, God can transform all of our ordinary routines into an extraordinary rhythm of life that is called living doxologically. And in your outline, I've given you seven different elements of this doxological life that's for your, maybe for your own Bible study as you seek to li live into this week of Thanksgiving and, and uh, through the Christmas season, maybe you'll have some uh, extra time to, to ponder them. Uh, this, this first one in the circle is the waiting, that we wait in the ordinary of life. Much of our life is spent in waiting. I mean, if you're, you think of that, if we tallied it all up, a lot of life is spent waiting, whether it's traffic or in line somewhere or waiting on somebody, or waiting on the day to come to a close. We wait on God in the ordinary, and God can transform that waiting into praying. Psalm 37, which I've given you, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Waiting on God becomes praying. And this praying can yield God's power. If my people who are called by my name, says the chronicler, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. Waiting is transformed into praying and praying yields God's power. As we see in the book of James, I've given you that verse, James 5, 17. Uh, reflecting back on Elijah's prayer. Elijah was a human being even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. God's prayer, uh, Elijah's prayer was, uh, was heard and answered by God. And then James also tells us that the prayer of the righteous person is powerful and effective. Praying yields God's power and God's power works through our calling in this world to bring about His purposes. Romans 8.28, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him and have been called according to His purpose. That power uh, leads us into our calling. And through us living out our calling in the ordinary routines of life, other people can experience God's presence. That God is with them and they experience that through our being with them. 1 Corinthians 12, 
4 through 7, when we live out our giftedness, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. And then verse 7, now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good that other people can experience the very real and near presence of God simply through our being faithful through the ordinary routines of life. God's presence points us to God's purposes, God's plan for our lives. One of my favorite life verses, several life verses that I have, one of them, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And often, if, if you've experienced this like I have, living out God's purposes requires more waiting. Be still and wait on the Lord because God has something else to show us. And that waiting, as we go through that circle, becomes praying. And that praying yields God's power. And that power leads us through our calling. And through our calling, other people experience God's presence, which points us to God's purposes. And there the circle continues. And all of that together, as I've shown you in the middle of the circle, is doxology, living doxologically. That we are living sacrifices that our every breath is worship. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. We're called to a lifestyle of worship. We're called to step into the offering plate. I want you to envision that as the ushers pass the plates in just a few moments, that we step into the offering plate and give ourselves to God as a living sacrifice. That God can use us in the ordinary and the mundane to reveal an extraordinary God. I love the message version of Romans 12.1 as we close. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work. And walking around life. Circles. You're walking around life. And place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for Him. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him above, ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen and amen. Let's live doxologically. Almighty God, we thank you.